You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Beverly Isla. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest is a very important figure in the companion animal welfare space, more like an angel to our furry friends. In fact, our guest is the first to bring euthanasia rates down to the lowest in the U.S. while he was president of the San Francisco SPCA for uh, 23 years. And when we get back from these messages, we will hear from the father of the no-kill movement, Rich Avanzino. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We have Rich Avanzino as our guest today. He's had major influence in the companion animal welfare space. Thanks for joining us, Rich. It's an honor to have you here to talk to us about your experience. It's just a real delight, Beverly, to join you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm going to go back to uh, when you were president of the uh, San Francisco SPCA. How did you set the record for decreasing euthanasia rates? Well, it was really a community effort. First, it starts off with collaborating with all the animal welfare organizations, working together towards a single goal, and that's the one that we're all committed to, which is life-saving. Back Mm. in the day, it was very, very common that animals were killed because it was perceived to be too many animals, not enough homes. And uh, we thought at the time that that concept should be challenged. And our coworkers, our volunteers, our board of directors, the media, the people of the community worked hard to basically change that dynamic, to basically adopt these animals into loving homes. And uh, we thought it happened because of people in programs, a lot of programs to basically encourage placements, to reduce the volume of animals coming in, and to engage everybody in our work. And uh, we were very lucky to have a community that cared. They rallied, they came through, and animals got saved, and we got very, very excited about the outcome. Wow, so this is mainly in the San Francisco area, nothing outside of that? Well, we ended up unintentionally being a role model for a lot of different organizations throughout the United Mm. States who replicated a lot of the work that we did and ended up reducing their euthanasia rate and achieving that adoption guarantee for our companion animals. You know, in America, we've suffered with this 
excess population issue for more than 150 years. And right. to be able to eliminate that ill, to basically overcome that social problem and basically guarantee our family members on four legs a loving home is something that we've always dreamed about. But now that a reality and uh, America is rallying and it has dramatic impact. Obviously, the most important one is it save animal lives. So our best friends go home to loving families and enjoy companionship, uh, enjoy a life of love, bring a lot of fun into people's lives, enrich their lives. Uh, improves the health of their lives. So it, it's very good for the pets and for the people. It reduces costs and basically cures a social ill. And I think that's a win-win. To be able to be part of that has been truly exceptional. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and how long did it take you to, uh, to reach that goal? Well, we were there for 23 years, and when we started, we had one of the worst euthanasia rates in the country. One of our problems, we were getting attacked by the media for a lot of dysfunctionality. We were 90 days away from bankruptcy. But at the time that we left, one out of every three members of our community supported the San Francisco SPCA. We did have the lowest euthanasia rate. And people were engaged. They were engaged at all levels. They were adopters. They were foster people. They were uh, volunteers. And some of them were contributors. But it was really a community-wide effort, everybody working together. The other animal organizations were all part of the delivery system. We had a no-bash, no-trash rule so that we were always looking at the world through a positive lens and could do nothing but compliment each other for the contribution that everybody was making because it takes a community to save the world, and San Francisco was there to do that. Good for you. I really applaud you for uh, what you've done there. It's nice of you to say that, Beverly, but uh, the reality is it was all of us working together. Mm. You know, sometimes people call me out for the role that I played, but truth be told, it was a community that cares. It was, Mm. you know, we like to think of our city as the city of St. Francis. That was the namesake for our community. And I thought we were an animal-loving community, and the people proved it. Yes, they sure did. Now, what are some of the key facts that the the public needs to know about animal welfare operations that may not be published? Well, I think publishing is really a big part of the answer. A lot of organizations won't let people know what the statistics are. But just like in the for-profit world, you have to have financial reports to basically see how well you're doing to find out if it's a successful company. In the animal welfare world, you need to know how many animals are coming in and how many animals are going home. Right. And, and so we believe that transparency leads to accountability and accountability leads to success because the public can see what you're doing They can see the progress you're making, and to the extent that you're improving, they can help support you uh, get to the goal that's so important. So transparency and accountability is a big deal. I think people who care, if they tell folks where they got their companion animal, if they know that they adopted from a shelter, people are seven times more likely to go to a shelter or go to a rescue to take the animal home. And so it's word of mouth. It's media support, it's community engagement, and everybody really focused on what it's all about, which is saving animal lives. Absolutely. Do you mind giving us some uh, statistics? 
Well, when I was in San Francisco, when I got there, we were killing about uh, 24,000 dogs and cats a year as, as a citywide operation. This last year, I think citywide, uh, they were killing less than 700 dogs and cats. So we came a long way. But the nation has also improved. Uh, the United States was killing 24 million dogs and cats shortly before I joined the movement. And now that number is down to less than 3 million. And oh, we think we're on the brink of... Yeah, we think we're in the, the precipice where we are now able to turn the corner and guarantee all the dogs and cats of America loving home. We think we have a no-kill nation by 2015, and uh, we're in 2015 now, but we think before the year's over, we will be able to do what everybody has dreamed of and save our family members who that uh, walk awesome. on tour. That's 11 months away, Rich. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we're moving quickly towards it, and 17 million people in America will get a companion animal this year, and they haven't decided where to go to basically provide this loving home. And if we can convince less than 3 million of those 17 million to go to mm-hmm. a shelter or rescue, we have that adoption guarantee at hand. So 17 million are the people who are looking to adopt or just looking for a pet? They are looking for a pet. They haven't decided whether to get it from a breeder, to get it from a puppy mill, to get it from a pet store, to get it from a next door. They haven't decided where they are going to make this acquisition. But we think adoption is the best answer, the first answer, in my view, the only answer, because what you're going to find at your rescue or shelter are just wonderful personalities, great characteristics, a wonderful character. They're going to bring fun and joy and happiness to your life. Yes, I completely agree. I foster dogs and it's sometimes hard to let them go, but um, if, if I had a dog of my own, it'd be hard for me to foster. So that's the only reason why I haven't adopted yet. Uh-huh. Get you there. Yeah, I know. I know, exactly. <laughs> Is this something turnkey? Like, Rich, can other countries follow suit? Absolutely. I don't think animal lovers are focused or concentrated in any particular part of the country or really any different parts of the world. Different communities have different dynamics. They have different geography. Uh, They have different weather conditions. They have different social and economic issues, cultural issues. But I think the love of animals is something that's in our genes. And my own belief is that in countries throughout the country, but especially those that are in developed countries, it's a no-brainer that we should not be killing our companion animals. It doesn't make sense. It's very costly, and it destroys the lives that are so near and dear and precious to us. Yes. Amen. <laughs> but I'm really enjoying where, where we're going with this, and we're going to continue with it after these messages from our sponsors. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Robin Gansert, President and CEO of American Humane Association, the country's first national humane organization, here to tell you about our new show, Be Humane, on Pet Life Radio. Each week, we'll be bringing you the latest news and issues affecting our animal friends, and we'll also be bringing you interviews with Hollywood's biggest animal advocates, here to share tales about their pets and what they're doing to promote a more humane world. Our own highly experienced staff and friends the organization will also join us each week to share what they're up to in the animal world. I hope you'll stop by. Until then, let's always remember to be humane. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> We are back talking with Rich Avanzino about how we can really enforce no-kill policies in shelters and rescue organizations. And my next question, I think you've kind of touched upon it, but maybe you can elaborate more on it, Rich. What are the key pieces that need to be in place by all the levels of animal welfare in order to completely obliterate euthanasia? Well, number one, I think, is no bash, no trash. We can't waste our energy or our resources disagreeing with each other. We have to focus on the positive and the thing that everybody wants, and that is to save mm-hmm. animal lives. We also need to reach out to the community. In San Francisco, we had adoption outreach programs where we took the animals to the people. We didn't rely or wait for the people to come to the animals. We took the pets to where the people were, whether it was shopping centers, whether it was a financial district, whether it was neighborhoods, community parks. We took the pets and let them show off their talents, their characteristics, and uh, their fun nature so that people could see, relate to, and engage in the life-saving work. It was very important to us to have very positive customer service and also to market the talents of our companion animals. A lot of people think that animals end up in shelters because of their damaged goods. They think that uh, they have behavioral medical issues that detract from their loveliness. And the reality is most animals are in shelters through no fault of their own. It's a a human failure. It's because people have lost their jobs, because their house has been foreclosed on, because they have a divorce, because somebody in the home is allergic, etc., etc. There's no fault of the pet, but the family just it was the wrong fit at that point in time. And so they end up in a shelter and they just want another chance and they just need to have another match made. And that comes about when people connect, when people basically have a chance to see their personality and really feel what it's going to make a difference in their life. Absolutely. Now, for a lot of people, um, even myself, sometimes I get confused with the difference between shelter pounds, rescues, and I don't know if it's the same there in the U.S. as it is here in Canada. Can you maybe touch upon that, like how those three levels can work closely together? Well, they have to work closely together, and unfortunately, because municipalities and not-for-profits and right. uh, bricks-and-mortar facilities and uh, all volunteer groups have different uh, operational philosophies and different resource availability, and because they're committed to an approach that's different than everybody else, a lot of times when there's a disagreement, it results in everybody saying bad things about the other organization because they're not doing mm-hmm. it their way. And personally, I think the animal need to be saved wherever they end up. And so it does no good to basically put down another organization or put down another approach because we're all in here to do the right thing. 
And so as it relates to the, some of the programs are well-funded, others are startups and are having uh, resource difficulties. So for me to basically share with the public is go to your shelter. I don't care whether it's a municipal one or a not-for-profit or whether it's bricks and mortar or, mm-hmm. or all volunteer. If you want to have a great companion, go to the place where you can save them. And that is everybody out there that's trying to help find animals' homes. Right. I would like to see all the organizations well-funded. I would like to see all the shelters state-of-the-art. I would like to see everybody have outstanding customer service, but that's not a reality. But the animals that are in those facilities, poor or rich, well cared for or not, uh, they all need to be saved. So I don't draw a distinction to what kind of organization it is or or what kind of funding source they have to rely on. I just say, let's go home and find an animal. Right, right. Bottom line, right, Rich? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You got to get to what makes a difference. And the difference is seeing these guys in your lap or walking by your side and enjoying the bond, feeling the relationship and having joy in our life. Absolutely. And love is the answer. <laughs> it is the answer. You are currently, I just want to touch on uh, Maddie's Fund, which you are the president of. And it's going after a very noble cause, which you mentioned by the end of this year to be a no-kill nation. Can you tell us more how that is going to be accomplished? Well, we've been working on this for about 15 years. Well, actually, as a country, we've been working on it for over 150 years. But some of the things that Maddie's Fund has contributed that I think has accelerated the ability to achieve this objective is we've invested in veterinary schools, a specialty called shelter medicine, teaching veterinary students about the unique characteristics of companion animal institutional housing so that they can make sure that the animals going in stay well and those that animals that come ill are rehabilitated and and placed in loving homes by demonstrating the feasibility of creating no-kill models, investing in organizations and communities that are actually showing how it can and should be done so that there are models out there and then encouraging the leadership to basically adopt a can-do attitude so that they don't be come self-defeating by saying, well, we can't do it because there's just too many animals or it's not our fault because of an irresponsible public. Right. But basically getting a leadership that, that sees the opportunity and commits themselves and their organization to make the impossible come true. That's amazing. I've never heard of uh, an organization taking that kind of um, stride, in the, especially in the, the shelter vets that you're dealing with. Yes. The good news is everybody really wants to do this. We provide a lot of resources. We've spent about $160 million. We have another $300 million that we want to give away. And it's all being focused on this life-saving agenda. And what's exciting to us is that people are thrilled to do it. And we are the enablers by giving resources to make their dreams come true, which in turn saves animal lives. That's awesome. But you guys um, basically deal with American organizations, so you guys don't really tamper outside of the states. Is that correct? That's correct. But, you know, we would like to start in a modest goal, like I said, creating a no-kill America by 2015, and then North America, then maybe Western Hemisphere, maybe eventually the entire galaxy. But uh, I don't want to get too ambitious. (laughs) We'll take it one step at a time and uh, show our success and demonstrate our abilities and then take it further. Okay, that is amazing. If you ever go to Canada, you know, give me a call. (laughs) 
I would definitely do that. Uh, you guys are uh, doing great things in Canada, actually, and uh, we're very impressed. And, you know, we are best friends, and so there's really no reason why we shouldn't be working closely together because we can exactly. learn a lot from Canada. Hopefully, the United States can share a lot with Canada as well. I find there's a lot more um, organizations in the States as compared to here. We have about 12,000 a country, uh, 1,000 are volunteer-based, and some people consider that inefficient. I think that's just a wonderful opportunity so that people can engage with the, the organizations that they most closely align with in terms of goals and approaches and techniques that are used to create a nation that uh, shows its love for animals by guaranteeing loving homes. That's awesome. Can you give our listeners some top tips of those on the fence, whether to adopt or to buy? What are your top tips that'll help them make their decision? Well, I, first, I think going to a shelter or rescue is just a, a wonderful opportunity. First, you see a, a huge variety of different kinds of animals so that uh, you have a broad selection of, of animals to adopt. Usually, the customer service is pretty strong, so you can get a lot of information about where the animal came from, and, and you'll be able to see firsthand some of their loving qualities. And if you do adopt from a shelter or rescue, make sure you tell your neighbors, uh, the people you work with, the people in your social groups, etc where you got the animal because that's just going to make it more likely that those animals are going to be saved that the people didn't take home. And if you can, become a foster parent. Uh, I think it's a, a short-term commitment that basically helps an animal over a bump period in their lives and gives them a new start. And uh, it doesn't take a lot of time and you save a life and you create a really sensitivity and humaneness about what our species should be for this planet. I believe that when we guarantee our companion animals loving homes that we can create a more peaceful society and maybe overcome the ills of war and the problems of poverty and starvation and basically create a loving world. And I think that's something that is worth pursuing. Thank you so much for even saying that because I completely agree. The animals that bring out our compassion and the more our compassion rises, it will affect the entire planet, even on an energetic level at the very least. So thank you for saying that. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Rich, for taking some time to talk today. I really, really appreciate it. It's a very, very important cause that we all have to be mindful about. And we are out of time. And I'd like to thank Rich Avanzino and Mark Winter, our producer for making this show possible. You can come join the Save a Pooch community at saveapooch.com. Lastly, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.